Hi, friends. Welcome to Joyful Courage, a conscious parenting podcast where we tease apart the challenges and nuances of parenting through the adolescent years. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer and adolescent lead at Sproutable, where we celebrate not only the growth of our children, but also the journey and evolution that we all get to go on through years as parents. This is a place where we keep it real, real stories, real parenting. Teen years are messy and they, there aren't many right answers, but the more we trust ourselves and our kids, the better the outcomes can be. The parenting we talk about here is relationship centered. You won't find a lot of talk about punishment or rewards. What you will hear is a lot of encouragement around connection, curiosity, and life skill development. This week, it's just you and me. It's a new solo show, and I'm so excited to check in with you. Enjoy. Hey, hi, everybody. How's it going? How's it going in podcast land? Yay. I can't believe it is October. We've moved right into October. And um, I don't know where you are listening from, but here in the Pacific Northwest, it has been so gorgeous, so much sunshine and warm air. We're easing into the dark, wet season of the year seasons. And I'm here for it. I am happy to get some extra sunshine. It's pretty glorious. Um, yeah, and school is in full swing. I Things are pretty smooth over here in the Aurority household. My husband and I got to go on an overnight trip last weekend to see friends and music and had a scenic drive, left the two kids at home. And I'm just sitting with the fact that we've come to this like whole new era of parenting with my two kids. The older one has, like I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, she's moved through the really peak hard time and is just kind of landed in a really awesome space. What she's doing, who she is, how she interacts with us is just gorgeous, love it. And my son as a junior has seemed to really level up as well and is, like transforming into a really responsible young man. I think I already mentioned he's taking a class at the community college. He's spending less time at the high school, but he's getting his work done. He's got a job, playing a lot of basketball and really self-motivated there. He's got a full social life. We hardly see him. <laughs> um yeah, and it's crazy. He, you know, he's moved from those early teen years into now this latter time of the teen years, and he knows more about his schedule and what he needs to do than I do. And he's telling me what's going on in his life, which you might be listening thinking like, yeah, that's appropriate. But remember that we spend a lot of time you know, many years being the ones that are know what are what's going on with our kids. We know their schedules. We know where they need to be, when they need to get there, what they need to bring. And 
I'm just really recognizing that we've like that the role reversal is happening and he's really the one, you know, and so it's like you start off in the driver's seat and then they become teenagers and the goal is to move to the passenger seat, let them take the wheel. But now I kind of feel like I'm in the back seat. <laughs> I'm in the back seat, trying not to be a backseat driver, which is really hard for me, right? Um, and it's, you know, it's not linear. It's not like, oh, now everything is landed and we have no issues, right? Like there's still things where, you know, he might have, or they might have a couple good weeks of like taking care of their stuff and picking up after themselves, but then they drop the ball, you know, then they drop the ball and things get cluttered and messy and they're not putting their shoes where they're supposed to be, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to circle up and talk about it and shift it or, you know, I'm thinking about the forms that have been sitting on the counter for probably the last two weeks that Ian needs to take to a school that are still on the counter and he keeps forgetting to take them. So, you know, they're still, he's still a kid, right? They're still young, but they're figuring it out. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Still have the adolescent brain, still plenty of time for bad decision-making, which does show up. But um, moving in the right direction, right? Moving in the right direction. And the interesting thing for me about right now is that, you know, I have two kids and the older one at this point, almost to the day, um, was in 11th grade, just like her brother is now. And this is when she dropped out of school. Remember that? Remember that period of time? Oh, my God. And I was freaking out. And it's crazy to put the two experiences that I'm having with my kids side by side because they're so different. Their personalities are different. Their mindsets are different. Their goals and aspirations are different. Um, And it's just, it's wild, right? Like our kids are so different from each other. And I'm sure if you have more than one, you know what I'm talking about. Like you just, you can't parent them the same. You can't have the same expectations. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. But you know, this show, this episode, the title of this episode is having the courage to let go right? Having the courage to let go. And, you know, as I think about my two different experiences with parenting 16 year olds, you know, the courage to let go definitely is looking different for both of them. Like with Rowan, it was, she was my teacher around this, right? She really called me into my courage and I was resistant. (laughs) I was like, what the heck is going on? You know, and then with Ian, it's still an invitation to let go. Like I'm, I'm someone that likes to be in the know. I like to be in the know. I like to have a plan. I like for there to be structure. I like routines. I like having deadlines. I want everyone to be on the same page. I want everyone to be on the same page in my family. And I want them to follow my plan because guess what? I have a great plan. (laughs) My plans are good. So why wouldn't they, right? Why wouldn't they want to be on my page? Not only the same page, but how about everybody be on my page? But 
I know. Just like my therapist tells me. Um, we're all living equally valid, separate realities. And so while I may have a good plan, other members of my family may also have good plans. And the goal then becomes how to align ourselves in a way that is useful for everyone, not just me, right? But, you know, when we're talking about raising teenagers and having the courage to let go and offer space, it can feel like a free fall, right? This whole letting go and allowing space can feel like a free fall. And in particular right now, for me, while things seem to be on the up and up, it is makes me crazy that there doesn't, he doesn't seem to have like a coherent system for keeping track of things. Well, quote, coherent, quote, coherent system. But I mean, as a system that I would approve of, I mean, he might have a system. I just can't see it. I don't know what it is. And it makes me crazy. It's unclear to me like what his schedule is and I feel like I'm finding things out as they're happening. And, you know, honestly, I think a lot of my discomfort comes from feeling like I'm doing him a disservice, like I'm failing him by not being on top of everything and knowing what's going on and really guiding him through everything. It feels like I'm doing him a disservice. And, you know, if I'm honest, I know exactly where that comes from. Um, you know, there's definitely, we still get messaging from our parents, right? And I definitely feel this messaging of, you know, that it's up to me to make sure he's organized, that it's up to me to make sure that all of his ducks are in a row to get him where he wants to go and to keep all the doors open. And it's just not true, This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. 
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. It's not true. It's not all up to me. And even though there's this strong pull towards that, I have to share the responsibility. I have to, we have to, we get to. Why? Well, for me, in two years, this kid of mine, this younger kid of mine is gonna be away at school navigating all the things himself. And in two years, I'm gonna have access to even less of his life. He needs, our teens need the space and time to practice navigating the things, right? They need the space and time to figure out systems. They need to feel the um, outcome of not having a system or maybe a flawed system when they can experience the outcome of, oh, I lost track of time or I forgot about that assignment. Then we get to say like, well, show me how you know what's coming up. Like, how is that working for you? And, you know, is there anything you could do that to tighten up that would help you avoid this in the future? Right. And it's not about coming in strong with an agenda and like, oh, I'm going to help. I'm going to make sure he sees that his system is flawed. It's really about curiosity and sitting with what's going to be useful to him. Because while I have systems that work for me, I know lots of adults that have very different systems that work for them. So I can't assume that my system's going to be the best for my son. And the more that he is in the development of something that works for him, the more likely it is that it'll work for him, right? He needs the space and time to figure this out. When we think about, you know, a lot of parents hold that it's, you know, they just want to, for our kids that are college bound, it's like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to help him get to college, right? I'm going to make sure all the T's are crossed, all the d- I's are dotted, all the things are in by all the deadlines, right? But it's not just about getting them to college. It's also preparing them to be in college, preparing them to be out in the world, preparing them to have their first job and their first apartment, whatever that looks like, preparing them to navigate trade school or whatever, right? The life skills that they need are things like being organized, roommate skills. Like for me lately, we talk a lot about roomating at my house and 
it's, you know, doing your part to keep the common area tidy, putting your shit away, you know, putting away your dishes and not just to the counter, but all the way into the dishwasher. And not only that, like, does the dishwasher need to be turned on? Can you assess the situation and take it upon yourself to turn it on? Wow, there's a lot of stuff on the floor. How about you sweep it without me asking? How about you notice what needs to happen and be in contribution, right? Roommate skills, interpersonal relationship skills, right? How to solve problems, how to interact in a way that creates a win-win, how to collaborate, time management. These are the things that they need when they go to college. So it's not enough just to make sure that their grades look a certain way and that their essay gets turned in on time and, you know, dot, 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 all the things, right? All the technical things to get their application in front of the college so that the college says yes. But then they're there. Then they're there. And there's so many things to navigate once they leave us. And that's where I want my kids to thrive. That's where I want my kids to thrive. I want my kids to feel like they can leave home and they can make their way out in the world and they can handle it. They can handle the things, right? As well as perhaps the college classes that they're taking. I want them to be able to handle, you know, all the relationships that they're going to need to navigate and their bills and, you know, those kinds of things. So to do that, they need space to practice, right? They need space to practice. And I'm feeling the letting go. Like I said, two years, less than two years and Ian will be off to college. And I am thinking it's looking like my oldest is actually going to be moving out here probably within the next six months, if not sooner. So the nest is emptying. And I mean, that's a whole nother episode, how I feel about that. Because part of me, you know, I mean, it's good times. Like, yes, making their way out in the world. And then when I sit with it and I realize, oh my God, this whole like raising kids at home and kids at home and childhood and my identity around that is coming to an end, you guys. I mean, I still have two years. Two years is nothing. And that feels really trippy. And I know I'm not alone. And some of you that are listening have already launched a couple kids or... So you know what I'm talking about, you know, and and so already the letting go is in practice for me. Like I said, Ian's got, you know, both the kids have lives, you know, Rowan's working full time at a local spa. And while she's here at the house, she's in and out. She's taking road trips to go see her boyfriend or go out going out of town to see friends. She's got a life and it's no longer like, hey, mom, can I do this? It's more of like, hey, mom, I'm doing this because she's 19, almost 20 years old, right? She no longer has to ask my permission, which is weird. (laughs) Um, I would love it when she asks my opinion, but it's not a matter of asking permission anymore. With Ian, there's still a little bit more permission asking, um, but there is also a lot of, hey, this is what's going on. Like he just left for school and said, I said, hey, what's going on after school? He's like, oh, I am I have to work, but I'll be stopping in. <laughs> Will you have a sandwich ready for me? <laughs> uh, yeah, so again, it's keeping track, you know, trying to keep track of him and all the things without feeling that internal 
urgency of wanting to hang on and wanting to be in charge of his schedule and wanting to be in control, right? That's what makes this space that this space so hard is that letting go of control. And maybe not for you, definitely for me, and I'm sure for many of you. And then there's that fear and worry, right? What if they don't do what they're supposed to do? What if they miss an assignment? What if they make a bad decision? You know, the what ifs are real. But there's some hidden messaging that happens when we hang on tight and we try to maintain control and we try to continue to be the guiding force of their schedule and their lives during these teen years, the message they receive unspoken, but clearly through our actions might include, I don't trust you and you shouldn't trust yourself. You aren't capable of doing this without me. You can't do it on your own. You're not resourceful enough. You need to depend on me. You're too lazy. Is that what we want them to hear? Is that what we want them to believe we think about them? I know that the answer is no, of course, right? And whenever I do classes um, for parents, I always start with the same activity. And if you've done classes with me, you've seen it. We start with a list of challenges, current challenges, and a list of what are the life skills you hope that your kids, by the time they're full-baked adults, have learned to embody. And some of those life skills include being responsible, being resilient, being creative, resourceful, being problem solvers, being critical thinkers, being able to trust themselves, as well as a whole bunch of other things. That's what we want for our kids. That's what we want them to learn to develop, right? And it gets developed over time through practice. But then some of the things that I hear from parents of teens are, you know, they're my kids, my kid isn't mature enough to rise to their potential. Their lack of maturity is getting in the way. They don't care without me pushing them. They don't care about their grades without me pushing them to do better. They won't follow through with what they need to do. They're lazy and they just would be on their phone all day if I let them. They just want to do the easy thing. Right. And if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm that sounds like my kid. I'm really curious about that. I'm really curious about that. I think that we're shortchanging our teens when we live inside of those statements because we forget that our kids are doing the best they can with the tools they have in the moment, that they do care and they want to live a good life. And they're navigating all sorts of things that we don't know about at school, with friends, with romantic partners, out in the world, what they're observing in their own family dynamic. Like they're making meaning and navigating all sorts of things. They pick up on our beliefs about them. So if you're convinced that your kid is just lazy and won't ever get up and do anything around the house, then they're going to rise where they're going to rise to that occasion and they're going to be like, "Yep, watch me." 
Ultimately, our teens, they want to feel seen and heard and they want to feel connected. And the only way they feel that way is when we're nurturing relationship with them, even the ones that don't want to get off the couch, presumably. And, you know, I just want to say hello to the listener who's sitting, listening to me right now and is thinking, well, you don't know. That's true. That It's the truth about my kid. I, I want to push back on you. I don't think it's true. I think that your child is deeply discouraged. And one of the thing, one of the quotes I love from Rudolf Dreikers, who is an Adlerian person and somebody that we love in positive discipline, he says an, a misbehaving child is a discouraged child. And when we feel deep discouragement, why bother? Right? And the discouragement can come from all sorts of places, including their perception of how we think about them. And so how do we fix this? How do we shift this? How do we transform this into something that feels better for us and for our kids? What will help us while raising our teens, right? And moving them in the direction of living their best life, or maybe not even their best life, but moving in the direction of what they want. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And one of my favorite tools, of course, you've heard me talk about it. I made guides for it. I love it. Family meetings, right? Call it what you want, okay? You don't have to call it a family meeting. I've got a lot of families that are like, oh, no, we can't do that. 
And I'm pushing back. Yes, you can. It's called sitting at a table and having a conversation. You can do it. And they're everything. They're everything. They are so useful to feel cohesive and connected. We start a family meeting with gratitude and acknowledgments for each other. We get to plan something fun to do together as a family. It could be as simple as watching a movie or taking a walk or something more extravagant outside of the house. We get to solve problems. It's not the only place we solve problems, family meetings, but it's a place where we can solve problems, where everybody gets to have a voice and contribute and collaborate. We can talk about the calendar. This is really key for me. I like to know where everybody's going to be. And, you know, I mean, I've gotten better at it, actually. I'm pretty surprised by myself not to be too freaked out when I don't know where the kids are. Um, But a calendar is great. I have everybody put their schedule on a main calendar. If I'm not sure what's going on, I can look there. I can see it. Work schedules, if there's any big school events or games, assignments. Well, we haven't really gotten there yet, but I would love, that's my fantasy. I'm sure my son will be like, yeah, no. Um, But appointments, a central calendar for the family. So family meetings are so amazing and useful. And if you're sitting down to eat together, then you can have a family meeting. And again, you don't have to call it that. It's a place to connect. Another thing that's helpful is creating the routine of regular planned check-ins, right? Knowing once a week you're going to drop in with your kiddo and ask them, hey, what's going well right now? What are you loving about life? What's hard? And then what do you need? How can I better support you? right? Just check in. It doesn't have to be like a huge ordeal. It's just a check-in. It gives you, parent, the opportunity to hear from the source, how's it going? What do you need? Right? And you might just get like, this is good. I'm fine. You're good. It's all good. Okay, great. I'm going to keep asking every week just to check in and see how things are going. It's a routine. They expect it. And you know, you might just hit one of those days where they say, yeah, I'm struggling. And here's how you can support me, right? Regular planned check-ins. Also different, but similar. One-on-one time, special time, special time with your teens, driving them to their sporting events, um, watching, Brown and I are watching this wild show together right now and it's really fun and it doesn't have, we're not having like deep meaningful conversations but we're sitting next to each other on the couch and spending time together and that feels really dreamy. It's gold, one-on-one time, however it looks, whatever it can look like, not a time for deep meaningful conversation, just a time to enjoy each other, right? Another tool for helping us with the letting go is, and being courageous, right? In the letting go, this requires a lot of courage, non-judgmental listening. When they are willing to open up and share with us what's happening in their life, you should be closing your mouth and listening, not persuading them, not trying to pull them over into your point of view, your opinion, No, 
This is about being curious, being loving, trusting, being with them, and letting them, again, feel seen, feeling heard, feeling accepted, right? Non-judgmental listening. And then you're, you know, being willing and, and able and vulnerable enough to express some emotional honesty with your kids, with your teens, like pull back the curtain, say what's not being said, right? Be transparent, be real with them. Teenagers have exceptional bullshit radars. So they know when you're being real. They know when you're beating around the bush. Say what you need to say. That's what my son says to me. Mom, just say what you need to say, right? So it's not about desperation. It's not trying to get something. It's simply like, hey, I need to share something with you that's going on for me um, because it's getting in the way of, of how I'm showing up for you. Maybe that's the language you use or maybe you say something different. But emotional honesty is a part of any powerful relationship. And the relationship you have with your teen should be a powerful relationship. It's the place where you hold influence. It's everything. It's the determinant, it's the determinant of how, you know, how willing they are to, to be with you as they move out and on. What kind of relationship? do you have with them? Are you someone they're going to want to come to and spend time with? Or are they, can they not wait to escape? Right? You have influence over that. And at the end of the day, this is your teenager's journey. You can work hard to try and manipulate or control it, but it's theirs. How you show up on their journey absolutely influences how they relate to you what kind of relationship you have. Consider what you want, right? What do you want to create? For me, the words that come to mind, and I'm guessing they're probably on your list, I want to create love. I want to create trust. I want to create respect. I want to create connection. And to create those things, I get to then be those things. I get to be those things. I get to animate love and trust and respect and connection in my body. I get to bring it into my interactions with my kids. I get it to let those things be the lens that I'm seeing them through. Be those things. Let those things guide you in your parenting during this season of raising adolescence. Right? So good. So good for me too. I record these podcasts and I think, damn, I should do more of what I tell others to do. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you moms and dads out there. I know it's hard and I have full faith in each and every one of us that if we are willing and interested, we can shift the way we're showing up for our teens and make a profound difference in how we're relating to each other in the dynamics of the household. I trust that 100%. If you are with me, give me a high five. All right, high five. If you have questions, if you're yabbing, if you're curious and want more information, ask away. You can always email me at casey at joyfulcourage.com. What I would love for you to do is if you saw this particular episode promoted out on Instagram or 
Facebook, then uh, go back to the post and ask your question right there in social media so that others can benefit from your question and my response and any kind of back and forth that we have. That'd be great. Um, You can show up in the Joyful Courage for Parents of Teens Facebook group. How about that? That's a private group that is free, um, full of parents raising teens. There's a lot of places, right? I am honored to show up for you. I'm so honored to show up for you. Stay tuned. Monday, there's a brand new interview with Britt Hawthorne. She's amazing. And our interview is about raising anti-racist kids. She's super insightful. And I know you'll take a lot away from that show. Um, Yeah, I love you all. I so appreciate each and every one of you. Shout out to my current six-week Positive Discipline for Teens class. Tonight's our third week, and I'm really enjoying that group of moms and dads. Um, Make sure that you check out besproutable.com slash teens to see what we've got going on. But uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out with me. I'll see you soon. Bye. The Joyful Courage podcast is brought to you with loving support from the team at Sproutable. To find out what we've got going on, go to besproutable.com and see offers, classes, coaching for parents of kids zero through the teen years. Also, big thanks to Chris Mann at Podshaper for all his help with editing and production of this show. If you loved what you heard today, please do me a favor, run over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, let others know that you find value in the show, or you can also snap a picture. As you're listening on your phone, take a screenshot, post it in your social media stories, let the world know that you find value in this show and help other parents receive the same kind of value. I so appreciate you, each and every one of you, for listening the way that you do, interacting the way that you do with the community. All the love, all the time. Everybody's going to be okay. I'll see you next week. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.